Welcome to I Want That, which is a brand new podcast that focuses on the dynamic world of Disney merch. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill. And I am blogger and designer Michelle Valladolid. And this is show number three for this series. Michelle and I are recording this on March 24th, 2019, so we are three days into spring. Downside of that is, for those of you who are standing in line at Epcot's International Flower and Garden Festival, hoping to get an orange bird sipper, you're probably going to be there till the start of summer. <laughs> but I'm getting one. I'm getting one. Yeah, I heard it. Yes, you, you, somebody was kind enough who I guess was born in that line. <laughs> it's getting one for you and sending it to you because it's... It's Alice's friend, Sarah, who's awesome. Okay, she works, well, thank She works somewhere in the world. Okay, well... These $14 plastic sippers, at one point, the line had gotten so long it stretched to Mexico and was actually impeding performances of the um, the Coco show there that they brought the, the Miguel little... puppet out. Oh, he's oh. so cute. Yeah. All right. You know that seems from either Gone, in, Gone with the Wind or The Simpsons where they pan up and there's the carnage? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it's like looking like over there. Okay. Well, I, again, they they seem to have resolved the issue that at one point, I guess, was causing shoving and fisticuffs and Disney security being called. But I, I guess the way they solved that problem is they stopped making it possible for people to buy 10 of the little orange birds at once. That's now smart. they can only buy one, which I guess moves the, the line along that much quicker. But You know, uh, two would be better, I think. In my case, the problem is that we stopped the orange bird line only to get ready for the briar rose gold line. Right. So can right. You, you talk about this? What is... Well, this is going to be in more than one place around Walt Disney World. It's going to be everywhere you find those uh, ubiquitous mini mouse ears mm -hmm. and such. Mm -hmm. Rose gold is out March 31st. Or March 30th, sorry. Okay. And replacing it <laughs> is... Briar rose gold. Uh, okay. And it's it's a slightly more lavender, a little more dusky. It's really pretty. I mm -hmm. think people are going to love it. Okay. I was actually at Disney World back in 2017 when the initial rose gold hysteria was going on, which I think you mentioned it was the mommy bloggers that sort of... It was the mommy bloggers who mm -hmm. really made, made the rose gold thing a thing. And now you see why... Disney treats them so well is because they have this kind of power. Well, I just remember I was at the Lion King media junket. I was waiting to interview Ernie Sarbella, and there was another reporter there with me who the entire time was working her phone, calling each individual store on Disney property, trying to find out who still had rose gold mouse ears. And she found out that a bunch of them had just been put out at the gift shop in the lobby at Animal Kingdom Lodge. And I think she promised her firstborn male child to the employee there. It's like, just hold three of them. So this is strictly an in-the-parks thing. This is not a Disney store thing, right? I've never seen them at Disney stores, but don't quote me. Okay. But I've never, ever seen them there or heard of them being there. Okay. Not to say that if you... You know, you go to your Disney your local Disney store, you're not going to find cool things. In fact, just this past weekend... The second pin set for the Road to Toy Story pin collection hit store shelves. It was $29.95. There were six pins in the set. And I guess this time around, it was Jesse, Bullseye, Zerg, Stinky Pete, 
Mr. Potato and Slinky Dog. And I guess that is the conceit of the series of pins that they're they're putting them out every fourth Saturday. Is that how the math works? I think um, so, yeah. All no, right. it's the 23rd on each, each day. Okay. March, February 23rd, March 23rd. Okay. Not entirely sure how this works, folks. You want to check with your local Disney store. But the idea is that one weekend a month they are releasing these pins. The first set, which featured a Woody Buzz Ham the Little Green Army Man, Bo Peep Sheep, and Rex. Uh, that hit on February 23rd, also for $29.95. And I guess we'll see a set drop in April, and that will undoubtedly... it's the 23rd. Yeah, I but and I bet it will feature Lot, Lotso and Barbie and Ken and yeah. characters from that. And the interesting thing is, of course, that the final set four will drop in May, just before the actual theatrical release of Toy Story 4. And... I think they're holding Bo Peep for that set because obviously Bo Peep has been reinvented for this new film. I hope Mike is in it. Mike the the microphone toy. I love him. Well, I think, you know, that's the thing going into 4. The the new trailer dropped this past week and it's been interesting watching people sort of go through it and it's like, okay, who's this Duke Kaboom guy and who's Gabby Gabby and but when you compare the numbers of people, I guess they, they got 25 or 26,000 or 26 million, excuse me, 26 million views online. But when nice. you, you compare that to the 116 million that Frozen 2 got. Yeah. So anyway, you know, that that's we've got the next two sets dropping in April and May. And speaking of your local Disney store, Michelle and I are recording this on the 24th. But when the show goes live... Online, it's going to be March 28th, which is a pretty significant uh, date for the Disney stores because the very first Disney store actually opened in the, at the Glendale Galleria back on March 28th, 1987. Um, and you got to that one, didn't you, Michelle? Yes, yes. David Mumford took us there. Oh, okay. And other than a lot of blue tile, blue and white tile, what do you remember? I remember the really great uh, character maquettes. Mm -hmm. And I remember that they had a lot more stuff for grown-ups and a lot more stuff for household stuff. Mm -hmm. It was almost like Disney Home in the back part of the store. Okay. and But also, the cast was was that back in the time when the cast members wore the sweaters with the patches? Or? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. I never made it to that one, but Disney got crazy serious about the Disney store starting in 88 or thereabouts. Oh, once Massive the f- expansion. So the first 13, two of them opened in the New England market. We had Burlington Mall and the Pheasant Lane Mall up in New Hampshire. But by April of 1990, there were already 50 of these stores around the country. That same year, Disney tried kind of a hybrid store. They did a Disney store and right next door to it, in fact, there was complete flow through between these two things but they did a thing they called mickey's kitchen i made a point of seeking it out or at least the one uh, there were only two of them in the world there was one at the woodfield mall i want to say in chicago and then there was the one at montclair plaza out in california and made a point of of going to it one afternoon to check it out and it was mickey's kitchen was actually about two and three feet up from the disney store 
you, as you passed from one to the other, you had to take two and three steps down. But by raising you up, you, you, as you were eating, you could be staring down at the things that you would like, Ooh, I should go in and buy that. There was the goofy burger, the super califragilistic chicken salad. They had the salads in Wonderland, the soupity doodah. Mm. And they tried. I get Why they, did they make it? You know, I mean, you know. <laughs> but weren't all the burgers and stuff healthy? Well, no, there was a Mickey's meatless burger. Well, back in that day, that wasn't done much. No, I mean, that. I'm trying to remember Eisner didn't have his quadruple bypass till 94. And that was when, you know, the turkey burgers came into the parks and all that. There were little individually done dining area so there was like a a winnie the pooh area there was a, a tony's italian kitchen so they only did the two of them and then in november of 1991 disney signed this huge cross-promotional deal with burger king and you know one of the conditions of burger king coming on board is one of the you know the big time sponsors of the movies that were coming out in fact when the, the first set of toys that came out for for burger king were Beauty and the Beast. But the, the understanding was, we will give you all this money to promote your movies and you will get out of the fast food business. And they did. But on the other hand, the retail side, they started doing interesting things. I mean, May of 1996, we saw the Fifth Avenue store open up. I have some pictures from, from our trip there. Mm-hmm. And I remember the room full of mannequins. I think that would have been... The- down toward the basement, because that that was actually what was kind of interesting about the Fifth Avenue store. The conceit was when the Disney characters were traveling and they went to New York, this is where they stayed. This was their home away from home. If you went all the way up to the third floor, that was supposed to be the attic of the building. And the original design conceit for that was that was where the villains hung out. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it had some fun ideas. I mean, they managed to cram a lot into the 2,400 square feet on Fifth Avenue. I just love that Statue of Liberty mini. Now, you actually get the the first World of Disney, the the one that opened at Walt Disney World. You did the hard hat tour of it as part of the... And you babysat the baby. I did. I did. But anyway, talk talk about (laughs) getting into that. They put us in hard hats and they let us walk around and... Of course, there was no decor yet, but they were installing some of the uh, stained glass and such. Mm-hmm. They told us that each room had a different theme, and we thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then they gave us a little clear box of Mickey Sour Gummies, and those were excellent. Now, you got back into it after that trip, though. And I remember what was kind of intriguing about the rooftop space, that they had that Sort of, I mean, literally, it was the world of Disney. You could follow the characters as they traveled around the world. Now, when when I got back into this space, mm-hmm. it was 2015, mm-hmm. because that's the distance of time, except for a brief, brief trip in 2000 that I don't really remember. Okay. But I remember it, it had all of these paintings of, like, Mickey and Minnie traveling in uh, Egypt, and, and they would run into yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, appropriate characters for that region of the world. Now, uh, jumping ahead to January of 2001, Disneyland Resort, as part of the opening of, of that downtown Disney, they got their own world of Disney as well, right? Right. And I was there. Okay. What about this one? What do you remember about uh, touring that one? I remember there was more stained glass. I could be remember that incorrectly, 
the jewelry section was themed to villains. Mm-hmm. And they had these huge sculptures of some of the villains holding jewelry. It seemed like every three months they would move around the rest of the place, but the jewelry always stayed there. Jewelry and collectibles always stayed there. For me, what was fascinating about that shop was to see a lot of the stuff that had been done for the world of Disney in Florida. I mean, I remember the, the sort of fanciful uh, flying machines that were Metallic, over... Metallic, yeah. Yeah. Very steampunk. What was different about this, though, was that it was in sort of a, a anti-emporium kind of way. I mean, face it, if you went to the world of Disney at Walt Disney World, you, you had to schlep all the way over there to downtown Disney, Disney Springs, you know, whatever they're calling it. Whereas this world of Disney, you know, it was literally across from the tram station that would take you back to the parking lot. So it became your one last shot at shopping, even after you've gone past the Emporium or... Uh, Do you remember the monorail store at the TTC? Because that was your last last chance to get autograph books or what have you before, before there was anything else than the Magic Kingdom and those hotels. Interesting point. Now, I mean, you know... I, I guess that that's the thing. Disney has refined your last opportunity to shop. Uh, in fact, I, I think just recently the at the Orlando airport they've you know refurbed and you know redone the the Disney store there. Yeah, they did. They did. Okay. The magic of Disney. If you do any research about the Fifth Avenue store, Eisner was desperate to get Disney on Fifth Avenue because. He was a, a boy who grew up in New York and knew that the really important stores were on Fifth Avenue. In fact, there was a fascinating time where there was only a block that separated the Disney store and the Warner Brothers store on Fifth Avenue. Um, in fact, to put kind of an inter interesting spin on the story, in 1997, when they did the Hercules version of the Main Street Electrical Parade and drove it through Manhattan... The one store on Fifth Avenue that would not turn off its lights, so you know as the parade went by, was the Warner Brothers store. So you know, just <laughs> such a ha happy time. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, so we jump ahead now to 2004, and the Walt Disney Company has too many Disney stores. They have they they've managed to basically put one in every mall in America or damn near. And there's just not They're enough. like the Starbucks of merchandise. Yep. And so <laughs> something has to happen. So Disney actually sells off the Disney stores to child, uh, Children's Place, the uh, that chain. And they proceed to shrink the chain. They proceed to, you know, creep in, sort of rethink the inventory. It, it's not a terribly successful experiment because within... Four years by 2008, they're actually selling the Disney store chain back to the Disney store. But you know, the people at Children's Place have done the work for Disney, they've collapsed the chain down to a much more manageable number of stores. And interesting thing is that when Disney takes it back over in 2008, they launch the Imagination Park version of the store, which I, I know you've been in this version of it, Michelle. Oh, yeah. With the giant castle in the middle. Yeah. The only problem with this is literally, you know, they open the brand new store, and then right after this, Disney acquires Marvel. 
And, you know, the folks who are on the merchandise side of it, it's like, well, this is lovely, you know, with all of its neighborhoods and its, its pixie dust covered terracotta floors. And, but where am I supposed to put the Marvel stuff? And three years later, Disney acquires Lucasfilm. And, and suddenly it's, this really becomes a problem because it's like each of these stores has a giant castle in the middle of it and eating up all sorts of retail space. But that was like nine square feet, which is mm -hmm. money. You know, it's money. <laughs> Absolutely. And then interesting thing, different difference between Bob Iger, who took over the Walt Disney Company in 2005 and Michael Eisner, who preceded them. It was important for Eisner from a prestige point of view that Disney have a store on Fifth Avenue. As far as Bob Iger was concerned, he didn't care about prestige. He wanted to be where the tourists were. So right. he wanted to build a store in Times Square in 2010. That's exactly what he did. So there's a great story about, you know, Disney acquires Marvel in 2009 and they opened this brand new store in 2010. And Bob had promised Ike Perlmutter, the, the owner of Marvel, that, you know, oh, there's going to be a huge section in the store with Marvel stuff. You, you're you're going to love it. And so one morning, very, very, very early, Bob Iger gets a call in California, literally waking up in bed by, by Ike Perlmutter, who's like in the Disney store and furious because he's walking around. It's like, where's the Marvel stuff? There is no Marvel stuff in here. You promised me that, that there would be Marvel stuff, and especially the Times Square store. Why is there no Marvel stuff? And Iger rubs the sleep from his eyes and it's like, Ike, do you see the escalator? Go up to the second floor. I am not surprised at all by this. Go ahead. Okay. Goes right up to the second floor. And sure enough, the first thing you see when you get off the, the escalator is a giant Marvel section. And he's like, oh, okay, Bob, never mind. And the phone call ends. So anyway, what a guy. Now, this still is a problem. We have this Imagination Park series of stores. We have Lucasfilm gets acquired in 2012 and... Jump ahead to 2017, and Michelle and I are, are together the final day of the D23 Expo. And there on the floor of the D23 Expo is actually kind of the prototype for the next version of the Disney Store, right? Right. And you actually got to chat with the gentleman who was sort of walking this out. In fact, they were, they were going to be doing the brand new version in a couple locations in California, weren't they? Yeah, and, and there's one not too far from my house. Okay. At first, at first, I had my doubts because they didn't have it completely full of merchandise. So I thought, wow, this looks kind of bare. But in the store itself, it looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, but more to the point, Castle is gone. It's kind of a stark white space, but with giant projection screens and, and that sort of thing. What I think is the most fun is if you go there at, is it three o'clock? California time. You can watch the parade from Disneyland live. I did not know that. Okay. How cool is that? That is kind of cool. If you get really, really homesick, there's that. And I think on the East Coast, they do it from Walt Disney World, but I have to double check. Okay. Now, now speaking of changing the design of stores, October 26th of last year, the, the brand new version of Disney... The World of Disney store opened at Disney Springs, and then the day after that, the World of Disney reopened after a, a pretty significant redo in Anaheim. And what's your there was what, a huge hue and cry about that 
you know, they're taking the characters out. Now it looks like a warehouse. And mm-hmm. it actually is closer to the characters in design, mm-hmm. in this new design. It's a lot of brick, but all the artwork and everything, it, they have magical, the magical paintings mm-hmm. from the ships and from uh, 21 Royal. They have them there. They show Cinderella getting her dress and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then behind one of the counters is what looks like an animator's desk with all sorts of incredible art behind it. Hmm. Now, I was reading that the mythology, at least for the Disneyland version, is supposedly that this used to be the garage where the buses were parked that brought people to Disneyland. Is that... What? I was told that this was the the backstory that they had oh, maybe. Bo- they had bought this building supposedly that this is where the tour buses that initially brought people to Disney. Oh, that's why that stuff's on the ceiling. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. Um, <laughs> there I don't go. know if Disney World. What is it is... you used to say? Light shines on Marblehead. Eh, well, um, <laughs> I don't know if the one at Disney Springs has that going for it as well. I, you know, I think again, Disney Springs got already has the whole mythology of the the small Florida town going for it. But I guess what intrigued me the last time I was walking through this building was as opposed to the old design where, you know, for example, there was the jewelry section with those giant alligator or excuse me, uh, crocodile from Peter Pan display cases or that sort of thing. It's, it's a much more open plan. I mean, you can, you can sort of stand in the middle of the store and, and, you know, it just seems to go on for days and let me tell you, you don't stand in the middle of the store and think that you're going to die of sweatbox disease or whatever, because now you have a nice airflow through it, which I guess they didn't really think about mm-hmm. when it was initially made. And now it's nice. Very cool. It's exactly. Okay. Um. Oh, before we, we step away from Anaheim completely... You were mentioning that there was a brand new store opening there, uh, Sugarboo? Sugarboo and Company, Dealers in Whimsy, mm-hmm. or Dealer in Whimsy. And uh, she named the owner named it Sugarboo, Rebecca Puig, uh, named it for her children, Jake and Sophie, because that's what she calls them. Oh, okay. Individually. Do, what gets sold at Sugarboo? It's kind of like an artsy Pier 1 imports. They're not going to see mer- Disney merchandise there. Rarely, I mean, rarely if at all, but it's things like uh, throw pillows and artwork, but everything is made from something natural. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so you've got metals, jute, linens, and depressed woods to, com- to uh, they said, curate a collection where rustic vintage and modern sophistication live together in looks you're sure to love. Hmm. And they're showing this glassware and I'm like, yeah. I would love that. <laughs> okay. Got it. Oh, um, before we totally step away from the topic of the Disney store, obviously this new design that was put out in 2017 is fluid enough so that when Disney decides what sort of Fox merch is going to be, you know, start showing up at the Disney store, that they can find space next to the Lucasfilm or the, the Marvel stuff. And, which I guess brings us to the big question. What's going to be the first thing we see show up at the Disney store from Fox? I'm thinking uh, Family Guy plush. No, I'm just kidding. Probably something from Fantastic Four. I actually think you're probably not far off with oh. 
Family Guy, though I think it's maybe the show before that. The Simpsons? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, maybe. I think you saw yeah. as I saw. Up a bar where you can buy Flamin' Moe's and Duff Beer. You know, when they put up the new corporate page for Disney, what did you see from Fox? I saw A Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. I saw Bart Simpson. There we go. You I know. saw Avatar. I hate to say it, but I would think it's one of those two or one of those three, maybe two of those three, because, you know, I, I don't necessarily see a Gilman plush moving all that well. <laughs> I, I would. <laughs> uh, before we go to our break here, I want to make you folks aware that we're actually doing a contest here on I Want That. The nice folks at In The Book, these are the ones who do these wonderful personalized stories. And, you know, the, where you can, you know, get your child's act- name actually into a hardcover book that features, uh, well, they've, they've got exclusive licenses to the, the Pixar Cars collection, likewise the Disney Princesses. So, you know, you could really help your child get excited about reading by putting their name in a book. The nice folks uh, at, in the book have provided us with some prizes. So we're going to just pick randomly from the folks who write into contest at jimhillmedia.com and you had the candle people to talk about right yes yes i wanted to talk about uh lux Alume's, uh circa 1955 candles mm-hmm. and um my favorite collection of theirs is their soren they have over california soren over orange groves which guess what it smells like jim i'm guessing orange bird no oh. it smells like oranges you're oh. you're funny Soaring over the Fiji Islands, soaring over the Taj Mahal, soaring over Malibu, which smells like beach and sand, mm-hmm. soaring around the world, which I believe smells like the ride, soaring over Yosemite, and soaring over Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm, these all sound interesting, and right. I, I guess some are headed my way, so I will will try them out and let you folks know what I think of them. Well, well here's, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. They have these monthly boxes mm-hmm. as well. For example, the Everest-inspired one has hashtag Circa Magic, which is their hashtag. And then above it, it has the same thing in Thai. Okay. The Thai letters. And Nepalese. I'm sorry, Noah is correcting me. Nepalese. Okay. So. And he should know because he actually designs the boxes for for this company. But inside the box, this box, for example... I got I got the Expedition and Hot Cocoa candles, and it came with a great little carabiner bag and an additional little zip bag with mountains all over it that had packets of hot cocoa inside. And if you want to order one of these candles or one of the su- subscription boxes, we have a discount code for you that will get you 15% off, and it's uh, code PINK15, P-I-N-K, PINK15. Fifteen. Okay, folks, we will be back in just a moment with some pearls of wisdom for you. Now, okay, I kind of lied. It's not pearls of wisdom. We're talking about the Disney Wisdom Collection, which rolled out at the Disney stores in January of this year and has kind of a an interesting history, or, or it grows out of kind of a weird thing. In fact, it sort of ties back in with what we covered. Was it our first show we were talking about the Steamboat Willie yeah. popcorn buckets? Yeah. Yeah. It um, was. 
because the uh, Huffington Post actually did just did a story about the the Disney Park popcorn buckets, and they actually touched on uh, a lot of the stuff that we talked about. But what's kind of interesting is the fifth grade art project. Uh, okay, the, the the Steamboat Willie popcorn bucket. Prices seem to have settled down on that one a little, folks. The bidding range right now, is, if you go to eBay, is twenty-five to forty-nine dollars. If you want to buy it now, it's sixty-four. But that, again, was a kind of the tail end of the uh, the Mickey's ninetieth birthday celebration. Or, or excuse me, Mickey's ninetieth anniversary, and that's that's an important distinction to make, isn't it, Michelle? Yes, it is, because if they have a birthday they're mm. old if they're an mm. anniversary they're forever young okay looping back to the 90th anniversary now disney store last year in an effort to also get on on the retail fund they launched the mickey's memories collection now did you get into the store to see these michelle it was a, a series of plushies yeah i did i did okay and refresh my memory here so it's an Limited edition plush. Uh, there was also a stackable coffee mug and a pin set. And the gimmick was the look changed every month, right? Right. Okay. I guess they started in January with Steamboat Willie, so it was black and white. And then February was the 1920s. And so we get sort of an Art Deco thing. And March is the 1930s and so on and so on. I guess the initial idea was that because... What is it? Is it that Mickey's birthday was on, or the way that the company describes it was like, it's the day that Steamboat Willie premiered at the uh, the Broadway theater, right? So it was mm-hmm. November 18th. So the conceit of the series was that if you wanted to get every single piece out of the collection, you had to show up at the Disney store every month on the 18th. Which, on paper, I guess, was a, a fun idea, but the reality was, what, January the 18th was on a Thursday. In February the 18th was on a Sunday. In April the 18th was on a Wednesday. And it just it made it that much harder for people to come to the store and, and get the things. Now, mind you, this set just took off right from the get-go. That supposedly it, the first set, when it went out in January sold out they were on the shelves and they went completely clean within two weeks jump ahead a month or two and it takes them two days to sell out by the spring we're talking them going clean inside of two hours and nationwide yep and i you know this also includes people getting up at the the butt crack of dawn and going because <laughs> uh, these were also available through shop disney Obviously, when you have something that's this successful, you want a sequel. And so what Disney decided to do was launch a a different collection, the Disney Wisdom Collection. And rather than building it around one character and doing 12 different Mickeys, this time around, they opted to do a different character each month. But with the the key being that they had an inspirational quote on them. So when they launched in January, obviously we've got Tim Burton's Dumbo coming out. You know, in fact, by the time you hear the show, Dumbo will be opening tomorrow, folks. You know, from what friends are telling me, it's the best Tim Burton in about 10 years. So that says a lot. But anyway, they wanted to avoid the same mistake that they had made with the Mickeys. So rather than go with a locked in date, 
I want to say it was the, is it the second or the third of, yes, the third Saturday of every month uh, is when you can go to the Disney store and collect these things. For the Dumbo set, they did Timothy Mouse's quote. You know, the very thing that holds you down will lift you up higher and higher. And for February, they did Mushu from Mulan, and they had the, that wonderful quote from, you know, the emperor, the flower that blooms in adversity, yada, yada. We've got the live-action version of Mulan making its way through the production process now. In fact, friends who have seen the stuff that's being shown on the lot are saying this may be the best of the Disney live actions, which is saying oh, a lot. But, but here's the thing. They're pushing the Mushu character out ahead of this live action Mulan that's coming next year. There's no Mushu in the movie. Because again, live action. You don't think they're going to make Mushu toys anyway? You go see Mulan, they're always going to have Mushu stuff. Because okay. I mean, all the, all the stuff came out for Dumbo at the parks and we walk into world at Disney. Like I was just talking about 99% of the merchandise is classic Dumbo. Classic Dumbo. Classic 1941 made Truman cry Dumbo. Hmm. Okay. And it's adorable stuff too. It's fantastic stuff, but yeah, only like a t-shirt and one other thing in the whole group was from the movie. So I think um, merchandise is is waiting to see what happens. Okay. And speaking of those who, who are waiting, April, if you're looking to get on, in on a Disney Wisdom, the one that's dropping then is Piglet. And he's got a scarf on him that says, you are braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, and smarter than you think. And the quote is attributed to Christopher Robin. So I, I hate to say this, folks, but if you're looking to get in on this thing now, yeah, you're going to be living on eBay for a while picking up stuff after the fact. And with this series, they bumped out the line, didn't they? They It's uh, not only a plush and a stackable coffee mug, and Pin said it's also a journal, isn't it? And also there's a print that you can get online only. Mm -hmm. And one other thing you can get online only, I think it's a T-shirt. Yeah, and then... Oh, it is a T-shirt. And then I guess to sup further supplement the line, there's some sort of a banner that you can then put your pins on right so yes there is okay well all right long story short folks you're going to have your wallet open a lot if you're you know if you want to get some wisdom particularly after the fact but friends who have already collected the line are talking about they love the stylized look they love that they're all bold strong colors and i guess what was it uh dumbo was blue mushu was red and baloo was sort of a what is it? A, a teal. Blue te okay, teal. there we go. And Piglet surprises pink. So beyond that, what? I, I guess looking to June, it's Miko or something like that? Is it Miko? I have a friend yeah. who's going to love that. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> so like I said, folks, if you, you're looking to get some wisdom this late in the game, it, it, it's going to cost you. But if, on the other hand, they're not willing to pay for wisdom, but they'd love to hear it, where can they hear you, Michelle? They can hear me here. We're on the Pink Monorail podcast with my daughter, if you're over, over adult age. And uh, I also write on micechat.com. Very cool. Okay. My side of the fence, uh, we have the podcast that started all, uh, Disney Dish with Lentesta. 
We have the Marvelous Disney Podcast, which I do with Aaron Adams. We also have uh, Looking at Lucasfilm with the amazing Dan Z. And last but not least, there's the Universal Joint Podcast, which I do with Dustin Fuse. And we've been talking quite a bit lately about the Hagrid's Magical Magical Creatures Motorbike Coaster Ride. It's a really good podcast, and I don't have a, a horse in that race. Okay. And speaking of podcasts, if uh, you would do myself and Michelle a favor, if you could, I could head over to iTunes and rate our shows and recommend them to friends. And likewise, if you really want to be supportive, you could subscribe to Bandcamp. We are doing some Bandcamp exclusive shows over there. You should go check those out. And And that's it for I Want That. Thanks for listening. And Michelle and I will be back with a new show soon.